uh, go, go ahead and stand up, say hi to a neighbor, and we are going to get ready to get started. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Breathe on me, breath of God. Thank you. 
always is there. If we just drop our burdens, he will pick them up for us. Hallelujah.
Well, if you're new here, we would love to get to know you a little better. So there's a get to know you card right in front of you. You just want to fill that out and hand it to an usher. Go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning.
Well, good morning, everybody. Live streamers, good to have you. And wherever you're watching from, pop on the uh, stream there and say, hey, it's good to have you. But tithe and offering time, so if you have something to give, you can go ahead and prep that. If you need an offering envelope, uh, the uh, chair in front of you should have some. If not, wave your hand around, and one of these great ushers will help you out. Well, it's good to have you. And... Uh, The faithfulness of the house is something that we grow in to match the faithfulness of God. Amen? And, and our life is a reflection of faithfulness of who he is. How many are thankful that God is faithful? And, and that we're, we are uh, people that are growing in faithfulness in response to his faithfulness. And it shows up in all sorts of things. And certainly uh, faithfulness in our giving and our tithe and our offering and, and uh, all the things that happen. Because of your giving, and we appreciate your faithfulness, and we always pray we're good stewards of the, of the finances that come into the house and, and what we're doing. So anyways, um, I'm going to pray over your tithe and offering. So uh, if you have something this morning, when I'm done, you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you uh, just for an opportunity to come to your house and, and be in worship uh, to you today. And, and continuing in our worship today and our giving, Lord, we pray that you bless our giving. And uh, those who give, Lord, that they're walking that life of faith, Lord, that you continue to, to grow them and mature them in that. And for those that maybe weren't able to give today, Lord, your blessings upon them. And, and Lord, that um, uh, whatever they're going through financially, that you always prove yourself to be the provider of their lives. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. Bring it on down if you have something. Um, so today starts what we're calling seek and find and what seek and find is about tonight tomorrow night and tuesday night from 7 to 8 30 we're here and it's it's not a, a structured service at all there's no preaching there's no teaching but what it is is an opportunity for you to come in and set apart some time to seek god and seek him in prayer and uh seek after him or or, or maybe there's certain requests that you're seeking uh from him but that we are uh, people who seek after God. Amen. And you have to take time to do it. So what we're doing is we're giving you an excuse to do so. So tonight, tomorrow, and Tuesday night from 7 to 8.30, there's going to be some uh, worship that's intermittent through uh, that time. It's not a worship service. It's just a time that you can come and seek after God in prayer. So if you, if you want to worship while they're, while they're uh, doing it, uh, if, great. If not, you can keep on praying uh, as you want, just find a place here in the sanctuary and, and just spend time with Jesus. You don't have to stay for the whole time. You can come in and out when you want to. But that's tonight, tomorrow, and Tuesday, 7 uh, to 8.30, so an hour and a half of just seeking after God. So with that, uh, guys, do you have those prayer cards? Wednesday night we gave out uh, some prayer cards. If you weren't here Wednesday night, raise your hand up. I'm assuming there will be enough of those, Mike. And what these are, they're simple prayer cards. And before you leave today, if you want to, you can leave it up uh, somewhere over here on the step on the side here. And tomorrow, uh, tonight, tomorrow, and Tuesday, I'm going to be praying over the prayer request. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to take the day and fast about them. So uh, if you have a prayer request, you certainly write them down, drop them off, or give them to me after church. And over the next three days, I'll be taking some time to pray about those things. All right? So, and by the way, then Wednesday night... Uh, we're going to close this out Wednesday, uh, our service. But we're going to have an ice cream social Wednesday. How many of y'all love ice cream? So Wednesday night, come on out. There's going to be ice cream toppings whatnot at the close of our service. We'll, we'll shorten up our time just a little bit on Wednesday and spend some time hanging out, eating some ice cream. That sounds good, right? 
Um, then the 22nd, so that's two weeks from today, is that correct? Today's the 8th, so yeah, two weeks from today, we have a vision casting day, so uh, have our normal 10 a.m. service, and we'll get done a couple minutes early, then we're going to spend some time just talking about uh, next steps for the church, kind of a vision casting, I'm going to update you on the finances, uh, what's going on with the purchase of the building, where we're at financially as we're heading into some more renovations. Uh, and just update you on some next steps for kids' church and small groups and different things like that. So I need to keep you guys aware of what's happening. Communication is important. So if you're a member of the church, you consider this your home church, stay after church that day, and we'll just talk about some stuff. If you have questions, we'll answer your questions. And then right after that, for those who want to, uh, they'll be putting on kind of a game day. So some, I guess a little food and some games together. How many of y'all love to play games? How many of y'all are like super competitive? This is your day. So anyways, um, you don't have to be competitive to play, but anyhow, if you love to play games, just hang out after that. It'll just be the afternoon of, of spending some time together. And a, a real quick brand new announcement. Then the Sunday after that, the 29th of August, uh, where's Josh? Josh is going to put on a little youth event here at the church at 3 o'clock, and it's going to involve water and all sorts of stuff. It's kind of an Olympic-inspired uh, afternoon of, of having some fun. So 5th to 12th grade, 3 o'clock on the 29th, Josh and some people will be here and just have some fun with, with our youth. So if you have questions about that, you may see Josh. And that's all I got to say. So get your Bibles out if you have your word. I hope you brought your Bible to church. And uh, if not, we'll throw it up on the screen for you. So um, we're going to spend some time over the next three weeks in Psalm 23. And um, I, think, I think the Psalms are important. Um, the Psalms in the history of the church have been sort of the prayer guide of the church, if you didn't know that. Uh, actually, the, the Jewish people as a whole used the Psalms as a prayer guide, then the early church did the same thing. Uh, psalms turned into hymns. But it is, it is the well-tread prayer and song book of the Jews and the early church. So the Psalms are important. And, and what's so incredible about the Psalms are they are, they are raw emotion of people living in real-life situations. So if you read through the Psalms, you're just going to see a lot of real-life raw emotion in there. And, and, and people learning how to live life with God while they're still experiencing life at the same time. Because how many know when you follow Jesus, you don't get put in a vacuum and nothing's happening in life? You're still living life. And the Psalms show this interaction with, with real-life events, Sometimes it's trials, persecution, and then that, but then how is God relating to them in the midst of these real life events? So the Psalms are important. Uh, they're, they're poetic, they're written as poems, a lot of them. Again, a lot of them were used as songs, but uh, I think it's important to spend time in there. As a matter of fact, I would strongly encourage you on a daily basis to read a psalm. So I'm going to make a big giant assumption. I'm, I'm going to assume that you all spend time in the Word. Right? Because you're Christians, and that's what Christians do. Why, why would we want to do that? Well, because uh, this thing is very important, and it is the testimony. The Word is the testimony of the Word, Jesus, right? And here's something about the Bible. I, I think it's maybe to say it like this. I know people who know the Bible. They can quote you all sorts of stuff. Have you ever been on Facebook? Okay, so... Um, 
You ever notice people post a lot of verses on Facebook? You know, throwing out, okay, that's all fine and dandy, whatever. But I don't want you to know the word. I want the word to get in here. And there's a difference. You, you can know verses in the Bible and quote it, but is it getting in here, right here? And the difference is, is, is not just knowing the word, but praying the word and meditating the word. That makes all the difference in the world. So the Psalms are a prayer book. Pray the Psalms. Don't just read them. Learn how to pray them. Learn how to meditate on them. So, um, so, for instance, here, here's an example. So Psalm 23, where we're going to be spending some time, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think a lot of you can probably quote a lot of that psalm, right? But has that psalm got in here? Yes. There's a difference. Yes. And the psalm of, of the Lord is my shepherd gets in here because you meditate on it. Yes. You think about it. You roll it around in your mind, right? Um, and, and, and actually, Psalm 23 is a, is a psalm that I pray. It's, it's consistent prayer. And I, and I, and I when I'm, I'm praying, and, and it comes up in my mind, and I said, the Lord is my shepherd. And it, and it turns into a prayerful way of interacting with God's word. And that turns into a meditation. And it goes beyond just your thinking, but here, don't know the Bible, but almost like eat the Bible in a certain way, if you want to put it that way, that it gets in here. There's certain, there's certain things that happen to your life and contentment and peace and assurance that happens because the word is getting in you. It's not just rolling around and staying in knowledge that I can quote a verse. So I was in Bible school, and I had, uh, I had a lot of professors, good Christian professors, but I had a couple of them that I'm not even sure were saved. They knew the Bible, but they weren't saved. I mean, you know what I'm getting at. Because the word was just head knowledge, but it wasn't here. So in, in praying the psalms, they, they prayed the psalms. So every day you can start uh, January 1st and start in Psalm chapter 1. And every day read Psalm up to Psalm 150. Then you start over on Psalm chapter 1 on day 151 of the year. And you can read through the psalms twice in a year and still have days left over. So in other words... They show a real-life, raw emotion interacting with God in the midst of life struggles. And we need to learn that because of the assurance that it brings. So many psalms are like, God, where are you? This is happening. This enemy is after me, all this different stuff. But the, by the end of the psalm, they're saying, but yet I praise you. There, there's a way that it teaches you how to interact with the, the troubles of life, but yet still come to a place that God is who he is, Right? So Psalm 23 is like that. It is a psalm of trust and confidence. It's a trust and confidence in the goodness of God, and it's very personal. Now, this is Psalm of David, um, and there's some different views on when David wrote this, but, but many view it that David wrote it later in his, his kingship because it shows a maturity in its writing. Um, now, now, some people kind of go different. They, they, they place its writing while he's being chased by Saul, which would have been early on. And, and, but a lot of people place it that he wrote this when he was dealing with his troubles with Absalom. How many remember that story in the Bible? Absalom has come to take the kingdom and force David out. 
And in many places, the writing of Psalm 23, when David is dealing with this Absalom thing, Absalom's trying to overtake the kingdom, push David out, and David's facing the threat of being killed by Absalom. Now, you think about that. That's kind of significant. That if, that if David wrote, if he wrote Psalm 23 in this whole deal with Absalom, that means that this wonderful psalm about the goodness and the faithfulness of God is midst, written in the midst of a very troubled and trying time of David's life. Think about that. He's losing his kingdom. He's being chased out. There's the threat of him being killed, and yet he sits down and pens this thing, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, here's what I know. I know that you can take away all the outlying things that are happening in our world right now, and life can still be hard. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, you add in all the stuff that is happening, and you throw it all together, and it's this big mix of, oh my goodness, there's just a lot happening. And it can be stressful, and it can be worrisome, right? You got to have a grounded perception. What is it that's forming your life? Is, is a good question. What is it that is, is informing your perception of life? Is it the word? Is it prayer? Is it worship? Or is it the news? Or is it what's going on around you? Or is it social media and what's happening on social media with all the stuff being said? I, here's a good practice. So I don't know how your day is structured. I don't know how your day is worked out. But here's a good practice. Before you turn on the news, before you get on social media, spend time in the Word and pray. Before all that stuff gets in and starts to do whatever it does, get your perspective from God be formed and shaped by him. Then if you're so inclined to turn on the news, which by the way, you don't have to, but if you're inclined to, if you want to jump on social media, which by the way, that's even a bigger you don't have to, but that's another story. If you're inclined to get on there, you're being formed by your prayer and the word before all that stuff happens. And... and, and you take a psalm like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even if I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil. Why? Because he's with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table, this big feast in the presence of my enemies, and in that he anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love and mercy, they follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in his house forever. Amen. Let me tell you something. If you start off with that kind of a meditation, it grounds you for whatever you see after that. And if David, if, if for chance, if by speculation, he wrote this, He's running from Absalom. His life is in danger, but yet he says, but the Lord is still my shepherd. And I'm not going to be in one. As a matter of fact, he takes me to green pastures and quiet waters. He makes me lie down there. Amen? That's why it's important the word is forming you and the word is you're meditating on the word. Because what 
what is going on in your mind shapes everything. All the worry and the stress and, and all the things happening. But if you can meditate in the midst of that, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to want. See, that insurance, the goodness of God will start to shine through in these moments. And some people will think, well, okay, but, but, but what about all this? Well, I know about all that, but, but God is who he is. Is that right? God is the shepherd in the midst of this world, no matter what's happening. No matter what your perspective is, no matter what you think about what's happening, that doesn't change what the word says. That's true. So are you going to go by the unchangeable word? Or are you going to go by what's always changing in this world? You see what I'm getting at? This is your guide. This is your meditation. So before you get on all that stuff, get in the word. And chances are after you get on that stuff, you probably need to come back to the word. Let's just be honest. You know what I'm saying? This is the first in the last because it takes you to Jesus who is the first and the last. He's the alpha, the omega. He's the beginning and the end. Because this remains true no matter what's happening. Amen? All right, so the next three weeks, we're going to jump into Psalm 23 and kind of break it down. Uh, today, verses 1 through 3. Next week, verse 4. Then 5 and 6 the week after. But there are two big points of imagery. Obviously, Psalm 23 is, is imagery. Two big points of imagery that God is shepherd and that he is the host of a, of a lavish banquet prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies so let's let's talk about this psalm 23 so the lord let's let's read this together again the lord is my shepherd by the way it's a funny story uh my grandfather was uh, this part's not funny but my grandfather was in a hospital he was he was in his last couple hours of his life and and, and Mark, my wife and I, in the chasing of ministry, we've missed so many family moments because we moved away from our, our family. We miss everything. But this one time, uh, my grandfather was in his 90s. He owned a business. He was still going to work, driving his car. And uh, he had slipped on some ice getting in his car and broke his hip. And as you know how that goes. And he was in a hospital, and his life was kind of... Uh, at his end. So they, they called me and told me, and, and for one thing, I was able to get back. And so I was in the, in the hospital room with my grandfather, and he really wasn't conscious, breathing every once in a while, but my aunts, my dad, a couple of my cousins were there. And we knew it was at the end, the nurse told us, he, he's right there. And uh, my aunt, and always the pastor in the room, I don't know why, she looks at me, always me, looks at me, should we quote a, a, a scripture or something? I was like, well, I don't know, uh, how about Psalm 23? Now, this is the funny part of the story. So everybody in the room knew Psalm 23, but we started quoting it together, but everybody's in a different translation. So we got King James happening. We got NIV happening. You know, and it, it was so funny because it was all so different, but yet all so together. And even in all the day, we all ended at the exact same time, and we all kind of cracked uh, just for a moment, kind of, kind of laughed. But, and then just seconds later, he passed away, and I thought, what a fitting way to to, to be as family with him, to send him into his glory, you know? But the Lord is my shepherd. So let's read this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy or goodness and love shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Again, the, the goodness of God, the assurance of God, that we can meditate on this enough that we actually believe this and live in it. So let's start with this. The Lord. If your Bible, chances are, it says the Lord. The Lord is in capital letters. Notice that there. Anytime the Lord is in capital letters in the, in the Old Testament, is designating the word behind that is Yahweh, the proper name of God. The Lord. The, the Lord, he is God in his fullness. He is Lord and creator. He is sovereign. He's divine. And that's who he is. And don't ever forget that. The Lord is sovereign. The Lord is creator. He alone is God and there is no other. Now, if there's ever something you should be meditating on in your life, you need to start right there. Because that sets the tone for everything. The Lord, who is he? He is God. And my goodness, the, the, the wonder and the power and the awe and the sovereignty of who he is should capture your imagination. That, that we're, we're, not, we're not talking about that we're worshiping some cast idol deity that sits on a shelf somewhere. But this is the creator God who is above all, who's in all, who holds all, who makes all, and it all happens in him. And this God and who he is, watch this, he is, everybody say my, my, my shepherd. See, this God, as we see in Exodus 34, that, that when he passed in front of Moses, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands of generations, forgiving weakness, rebellion, sin. This is God. And this wonderful creator God is my. Now, if you notice in, in Psalm 23, there's a lot of my, I, and me. Amen. Remember, as much as everything God does is very corporate, don't ever forget that God is intensely personal. Intensely personal. The Lord is, he's my shepherd. Not that you own him. Obviously, you don't own him. It's not ownership my, but it's my impersonal relationship. Intensely personal. God, listen, when, when people say God loves you, the, the bigness of who God is should also then translate to, to hitting you home in you very personally. Very personal in relationship. The Lord is my. God knows you completely, does he not? Right down to the numbers of the hair on your head. He knew you before you were born in your mother's room, right? Intensely personal. That, that's how personal God is with you. As a matter of fact, he, he, is, he is so faithful to covenant as a whole. 
but that covenant always comes down to the individual. Faithful in covenant. The Lord is my. You are his. By the way, he sealed you. How many of y'all are saved? You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, have you not? You, you've been sealed. You've been marked with the Holy Spirit, have you not? Yes, you're his. The Lord is my, but you are his. You're his child. He calls you as his own. Very personal. Don't ever forget that. Because no matter what's happening in life, you're still his. The trials of life, the persecution of life, tribulations of life, all the craziness that's happening in the world, you still belong to him. He's your shepherd. Now, there's got to be some assurance right there. See, that's why meditating on this is very important. Not, not only that the Lord and, the, and you see the bigness of who he is, but he's not so big that he can't get down personal with you. And there's got to be a point of meditation that you have assurance in your heart that no matter what is happening, he is my shepherd. Right? And with that, as we're going to see this whole green pastures and quiet waters, with that comes a certain contentment. With that comes peace. With that comes assurance. So, so kind of like this. If, if you've ever talked to me about struggles of life, eventually in that conversation, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. Right? You're going to get through this. Why, why can I be so bold, if you want to put it that way, to say that in the face of what you're... It's not like trivializing or making your issue small. But I can say that because I meditate on something like this. The Lord is my shepherd, but if he's my shepherd, he's your shepherd. And if he's your shepherd, you're going to make it. You're going to get through this. You're going to see the goodness of God. Because I believe that. And be bold enough to say that because we... Listen, we believe what the word says, and it went past here, and it's getting here. So how can you have assurance in the face of troubles of life and craziness happening? Because you've caught right here, the Lord is my shepherd. How can David write this when he's running from Absalom in his life? I mean, his life is in literal danger, being killed. How can he write this? Because somewhere in his journey with God, this whole thing of God being his shepherd got right here with David. And he believed it. And it brought him peace and contentment. So everybody say, the Lord is my. You, you got, I don't care if you have to say it a, a, a zillion times until it gets down in your heart that you believe it. But you know when it crops up in your life? When things are going bad. It's easy to say, well, the Lord is my when life is good. But when life isn't working out the way you want it, or, or, or you're facing some, some financial issues, or you're facing a physical issue, or you're facing a relationship, whatever, or, or life, or you just turn on the news, and then you'd be able to say, okay, but the Lord is my shepherd. And the shepherd doesn't leave the sheep alone. See, see, David starts to draw on the imagery of, of remembering when he was a shepherd. And if you ever know, if you know anything about shepherding, the shepherd never leaves the sheep alone. As a matter of fact, they sleep in the fields with them. 
They don't kick them off and say, I'll, I'll see you in a couple years. I hope you make it. Come back and, and, and we'll see where you're at that time. The shepherd stays with the sheep. God is always with you. Always. No matter what you're facing in life, no matter what's happening, God is always with you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. He doesn't turn his attention elsewhere and, and leave you behind. God's always with you. He is your shepherd. And, and certainly the imagery of, of a shepherd should bring up a, a lot of uh, ways of seeing this. So the shepherd, the shepherd cares for the sheep. The shepherd takes the sheep to where there's provision, food and water. The shepherd protects the sheep, the lion, the bear, the wolves, thieves. You see, the shepherd was personally concerned with the welfare of his sheep, but not just as a whole, but each individual one. Again, this personal imagery, the shepherd staying with the sheep, caring for each one as an individual. So you can claim... Who takes care of me? I'll tell you who takes care of me. The God of all things is my shepherd. That's who watches out for me. That's who takes care of me. That's who takes me to provision. That is one that binds up my wounds. That is the shepherd who has me. Now, I don't know about you. I value relationships of life. So, in other words, I'm, I'm obviously very thankful for, for my marriage, I, I married up, okay, so I, I'm thankful for my kids. I hope my kids, when I'm old and, and gray, take care of me like I try to, you know what I'm saying. So I value the relationships, but my entire trust is not in this. I like you guys. I do. Most of you. I'm kidding. And I value our time together, and I, I, I see the importance of church and what we're doing together, but this is not my total trust and insurance. I value people that have looked out for me in my life, my parents or, or whatnot. So I value friendships. But listen, the one that I put my entire stock in is him. I value a good government that takes care of its people well. I value that, right? But my trust is not in a government or a president or anything anybody can do for me. My value is in him. You don't trust, as, as the Psalms are saying, you don't trust in, in horses and military might and men. We trust in the God Almighty. Why? Because he, he's my shepherd. He takes care of me. And God is a, is a covenant-keeping God. And, and we know this, this imagery of, of the Lord is my shepherd. It rolls over, and we see it in, in the Gospel of John, and Jesus proclaims himself as the good shepherd. As Jesus now is the, the mediator of the new covenant. So David writes this, his understanding of covenant with God. But, but now we have Jesus. And, and all of this leans towards the gospels and the proclamation of the good news of Jesus. And Jesus is the good shepherd. And, and as he proclaimed at the last supper, a, a new covenant in his blood. Jesus is the one watching out for me. Amen. Jesus is the one who is taking care of me. Amen. Jesus is the one who is providing for me. Amen. Jesus is very personal. You ever hear the words, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, my personal Savior? You ever hear that wording? Okay, well, all right, we, we'll accept that. He's very personal 
to you as your Savior. But do you believe it? Do you believe God cares enough to care for you? That, that, I mean, if you think about the story that we find in the Scriptures, the story of God and man, how God makes things, the man messes it up. But instead of God just trashing and burning the whole thing, then he starts the story of redemption, of saving his creation. So he calls Abram, calls to a people be called out. And the story of Israel leads into Jesus. And then Jesus and all the things he does, the cross and the resurrection. Then, then the church birth and all the things that are supposed to be happening in the world because of the movement of, of the church, right? We see this story of salvation. Why? Why did God do that in the first place? Because he loves us so much. Then we messed the whole thing up. He just didn't discard the whole thing, burn it, and start over. But he loves us. Intensely personal to the imagery of the shepherd taking care of the sheep. But notice that the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not what? Provision. That God is the God who provides for the sheep. Amen. That God is the God who makes the way for the sheep. Amen. That God opens up doors when there seems to be no way. Amen. I shall not want that we look to him. Where is the first place you go when there's trouble? I hope him. Right? Who do you look to in times of need? I hope first him. All the relationships are great. All the wisdom we can gain from from. Uh, each other and all the, all the help of bearing one of the burdens should be here. But he is our provider. Amen. I shall not want. Now watch this. He makes me lie down. Now, he makes me. Does he know what's best for you? Yes. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside quiet water. So you think about green pastures and still or, or, or quiet waters. These are places, again, of, of contentment, of rest, and peace. That, that's why, I live, watch this, that's why I think this is important that the scriptures get down in here, right here. Because it's, it's so easy to get so stressed and worried about everything that's happening in life. But in the midst of your stress and the worry, do you realize you can be in green pastures and beside still waters in the midst of it? You know that? Do you know in the midst of your greatest trouble, the things that worries you the most, that you can have peace and contentment in your heart if you let him be your shepherd and, and if you allow him to make you lie down in green pastures? He knows what's best for you. And where is he trying to take you? Rest, contentment, and peace. What, what does your soul need the most? Rest, contentment, and peace. Because of a reconciliation that has happened. But, but it rolls over into how we deal with life. So I, I, don't, I don't get riled up about a lot. You know why? Because I work for the Lord as my shepherd in my heart. And no matter what's happening, the craziness of life, you know what? We're going to make it. You know what? It's going to be okay. But you don't understand. I, I, I might not. I don't claim to understand everything. 
But what I do know, whatever the situation is, it has not changed that the fact that the Lord is my shepherd. And if I allow him to, he's going to take me to green pastures and still waters. If you let him. So often we start running through life and we leave the shepherd somewhere else. We start running ahead of him or we, we run over here. And the whole time he's saying, hey, I'm going to make you get to a place of contentment and peace and rest if you'll let me. But we're too busy doing all this other stuff. See, what God is after is what he knows is what's best for you. And it rolls over into the next thing. He restores my soul. This is the most important thing right here. That the entire being of who you are is finding contentment, rest, and peace, including your soul. That's the deepest part of who you are. That's the seed of who you are. That David saw that the work of God wasn't just this outward thing, but it all centered right in here. That God, in his being our shepherd, intensely personal, is after the restoration of who you are, the seed of your being. That right in here, you really have that contentment and peace and rest. Because then he leads me in paths of righteousness for, for his name's sake. See, those paths of righteousness are the foundation of life. So whatever you're trying to build in life, whatever you're after, your, your marriage, raising your kids, your job, your business, whatever it is that you're doing, the paths of righteousness are the foundation of what you build off of. Because if you build life off of the paths of righteousness, eventually the foundation will crumble and fall. So the restore, restored soul is then led in a place of righteousness, right living. We've been given righteousness, then we live it out, right? Paths of righteousness. And David understood you can't find righteousness outside of God. In him you find what you need. So part of the shepherd is, in restoring your soul, he leads you in this way of life. There's a certain way to go about this. But think about this. It's, it's mixing imagery here. So you've got green pastures, you've got quiet waters, you have, you have a path of righteousness. These are all ways that God leads the sheep that all mix together in rest and contentment and peace and restoration. And no matter where God is leading you, these things are available. See, what happens is the shepherd would lead the sheep to different places depending on the season of the year. Right? In different seasons, there are certain places where things are growing versus other places. So the shepherd is always leading sheep somewhere to provision in those green pastures and quiet waters. And those paths that he leads them on, they're sure paths, they're right paths, they're paths that take you where it's necessary for you to go. But the whole time, if you allow yourself to be led, he leads me, but, but are you responding and listening? He's taking you somewhere. So when people come and, and, and it just seems like life is up in arms, I say, hey, about this. How about for a month, every day, you meditate on Psalm 23? Because it will change 
your perception of what's happening in your life. Did it make your problem go away? Not necessarily. But it changed your perception of how your problem is dealing with you and how you're responding. And all of a sudden, you're starting to find some peace in the middle of your trouble. Amen? See, when he leads you in the paths of righteousness, notice, for his name's sake. What does that mean? It's like God is saying, I am going to be faithful to who I am. For my name's sake, I'm going to do this. Your life is a proving ground for me, God. I am going to prove myself faithful for my name's sake to you because other sheep will see what's happening to you. That God will never leave himself unfulfilled. You believe that? Everything God says is true will happen. Every, Every promise of his word holds true. It will happen. God is faithful. And he will lead you in all these things for his name's sake. Because he's faithful in all he does. So the Lord is your shepherd, is he not? Now, now next week, for even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how many of y'all ever felt like you've been there? Anybody? Yeah. But even amidst of it, we don't fear evil. We don't fear. Because the God who is the shepherd who takes care of us never leaves us, even if we're in the valley. So then you can say things like, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it through. It's going to be all right. God's going to work this out. He's going to prove himself faithful. His word will be true. Find peace. Find content. As a matter of fact, you can be all, all sorts of bold about this, and you find joy. Then, then you don't have to walk around like you're in the dumps. Then, then there's joy. And all these things that we find that we wouldn't have if it wasn't for God, they, they start to manifest in our life. Amen? All right, so encouragement to you today. A, start reading the psalm a day. That's, that's the first encouragement. Second, maybe you need to skip to Psalm 23 and start there. And start meditating on the Lord as my shepherd. It will inform. By the way, these, these kind of, Psalm 23 is probably the most well-tread psalm of the scriptures. I mean, the millions and millions of people who have meditated and, and, and quoted that psalm, right? It's well-tread. There are certain parts of scripture that help inform other parts of scripture. Psalm 23 is one of those. If you can get that in your heart and let it be a foundation, it, it helps you in all sorts of other stuff. I promise you. So start there. Let's start meditating on Psalm 23. Let God being your shepherd bring contentment and peace to your life. Amen. How many of y'all got troubles? How many of y'all think our world's going crazy? Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's okay. I'm telling you. Are you sealed with him? Yes. You'll be all right. What, what, what more can you ask for than the God who made all things is intensely personal that he seals you with the mark of the Holy Spirit in your salvation? Amen? You're going to get there. All right, let's pray. Oh, Jesus. 
Lord, that you would help us. And in the first step, help us simply see who you are. And we begin to grasp it in such a way that it changes who we are. That it changes how we see things, how we perceive things, that, that we see things with different eyes and hear things with different ears. And we, when we come in to, to face things that, that, that are troublesome and worrisome, trials of life, Lord, that, that we are finding ourselves in a place of, of contentment and assurance simply because you're our shepherd. And in the midst of everything that's happening, we consistently, consistently find green pastures and we, we find those, those quiet and still waters, Lord, that we, we keep our feet on the paths of righteousness, that you are constantly proving yourself faithful. We don't miss that. We don't get caught up in so much stuff that we miss that you're faithful. I pray we live in that. Every day we live in it. So guide us and keep us and help us, Lord. Strengthen us. Give us wisdom. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, for your glory. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. amen. So, so this morning, if you would like prayer about anything before you head out, Margo and I will hang out here for a second, a couple minutes, see if anybody wants to come down. We'll pray with you and agree with you and join in faith with you. If not, we'll uh, maybe see you tonight at 7 o'clock for Seek and Find. If not, if you're not going to be here, we'll see you Wednesday. We'll, we'll have a good time eating some ice cream together.